You are listening to episode one of the So Driven podcast with our guest today, Susie Moore. Susie is a Miami-based life coach. Her credentials in the media, publishing, coaching and business world are vast. She is a published author with her latest book, Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval and Live an Incredible Life is now on sale. She has been featured on a variety of publications, including the Today Show, Forbes, Oprah.com. The list is endless. I am thrilled she had the time today to come and speak to me. You are listening to the So Driven Podcast with me, your host, Serena Dodd. Each week, we will dive deep into the inner workings of leaders. We will talk about their story, their challenges, their triumphs, and ultimately what drives that quest for success. Wanting to listen to a corporate type of approach to leadership? I'm afraid you're in the wrong place. Here, we like to be raw, a bit silly, progressive, and 100% unconventional. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. I'm thrilled that you're here. This is actually going to be the first podcast of the season. <laughs> Yay, Serena. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to chat with you anytime. Uh, I'm delighted to chat with you too. And you're in Miami, I take it. Yes, I am. It's sunny and gorgeous. Can't oh, complain. Not so much here. <laughs> How are you finding things in quarantine? Because you've just literally, you've only been living in Miami for about a year, right? Yes, it's, it's been one year now, actually, like this time. And look, I mean, quarantine, I'm at, what, what amazes me is how quickly the world has adapted, right? Us human beings, we're resilient. It's amazing what we can do, isn't it? Like our life, 90 days ago, what we are doing now would be unthinkable. Totally. Right? And when anyone complains about anything, I just think, listen, we are all able to communicate. We're good. We absolutely are. And I know that for a lot of people that I know, it's been a really positive shift. So um, quarantine, I think, is okay. I mean, I have complete like focus and control on my mind, my day to day, what I do in the you know my small space, a small corner of the world that I touch. So I'm doing well. And you? Yeah, no, fine. Same, same over here. It's just, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity really to be able to get the work done and get all the things that you just don't want to do when you are out and about. I've found it a really good time to focus and reflect on what has gone on, what needs to change and sort of implementing that. Yes. I also feel like I, I didn't even realize this before, but I think I had a bit of a low level anxiety of because I was always kind of on the go and traveling and now I'm not I'm like oh maybe I'll just have this quiet little life from now on who knows yeah (laughs) have you been working hard in this time have you have you managed to kind of get a whole bunch of stuff done or are you just taking it about the same yeah about the same as usual I'd say I'm having a lot more downtime which is pretty fun too and I think that that's okay in life there's there are different seasons right there's a season for rest a season for um, a lot of work. I mean, I've, I've been launching my book in this period too. So it's largely been that. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, don't, I, I still have plenty of time for fun. Yeah, I mean, I know you've got your book out. We'll talk a little bit about that um, a little bit later on. But for anyone who doesn't know, like I started to get to know you on your Five Minutes to Famous program and absolutely love it. But um, for anyone who doesn't know you, what would you tell them about you? What, what are you about? Mm, well, oh, I love this question because it's funny, right? Uh, there are so many things you can say, right, about yourself. You can say, oh, you know, you're a coach, author, advice columnist. I mean, all of those things, yes. But I actually don't really feel attached to anything. I just feel attached to a mission. And that is, you know, to help people become more confident by understand, understanding what's limiting them. And it's really as simple as that because I really believe that life is simple, but keeping it simple is hard. And I just, you know, the, the, the thing that I care the most about is I think helping people reach their potential because the limits that we have, they're just so self-imposed. And I know that um, there's so much more available to us than we allow in. Yeah. Do you know, I completely agree with that. And actually, you reminded me of a question that I was going to ask you a couple of days ago because I was reading one of your articles and I was like, you make it sound so simple. <laughs> I'm like, I am complicating the hell out of something that is oh, actually yeah. got a really simple message. And I read your, I, I mean, I've read loads of your stuff, but mm-hmm. I read an article and I'm like, it's simple, it's relatable, it gets straight to the point. And it almost is like you need to go so far beyond to get the knowledge to simplify it. 
it's it's ironic isn't it like how <laughs> like how, how it is and what i know is after coaching so many people now the most um, i think that the those of us who I guess have a lot of struggles and have the most imposter syndrome and overcomplicate is really high achieving women, like high achieving yeah. women. It's like, uh, because they're so capable, right. And competent. So, you know, making it busier, making it fuller, you know, uh, it feels like a natural thing to do. Whereas I think it can be easier than we think. I totally agree. I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, I don't know why I'm complicating a whole bunch of stuff. It's so simple and so direct and yeah. it could take half the time. But yes, it's just sometimes you think the simple things are so obvious that you're almost teaching people to suck eggs. But actually, <laughs> that isn't the case. It's mm -hmm. the simple things or the most direct things that you find common sense. Other people would get so much value in that. It, you know, it's really interesting, isn't it? I mean, I think that, uh, and look, so I know this is an oxymoron, but I think that one of my um, superpowers, right, is being a master hacker. <laughs> right? So you feel like they, they, they shouldn't exist, like coexist, right? Being a master at something that's hacking. But I just know, I mean, I, any hack, give it to me. Like, how can this be easier? How can this be leveraged? How can I do like the least for the most? Like, yeah. It, least effort right the law of least effort <laughs> and like like allow like maximum to come to me it's I'm, I'm obsessed with this you know and it's kind of what I teach in all areas and so if I'm rejected how do I handle that if I have a big goal how do I go for it like um and I mean even just for example this morning my husband is having this issue with a, a new platform that we're working with and I'm like just ask this person who you know who uses it and he messaged him and he, it's, this guy's taken him three hours. <laughs> and, but it's like, just ask for help. Like, I, like I would never expect to do anything on my own if it were new. I mean, I don't have to do things alone either. So it's like asking for help, delegating. The answers are someone, and this is the thing, the answer, some, whatever your problem is, someone has dedicated their life to, you know, to the solution and there's a book on it. So read the book, right? Don't have to go through years of suffering. In fact, um, a friend of mine, she went through a divorce a couple of years ago and as she was clearing out the house, she found a book and she said, you know what, if I, I think if I read this book, it could have saved my marriage. And it was too late at that point. And I'm mm. like, yeah, but the book you don't read can't help you. You know, so it's like, what are you spending your time doing? Because, and what, what are your problems? You don't really have to be experiencing them for such an extended period because the solutions exist. There are at least three solutions to every problem. Someone else has already figured it out. So hack your way there. I'm obsessed with this. Yeah, I completely agree. And I will talk again about opportunity and seeking opportunity um, a bit later on. But tell me first, when did it all start? Like, I know you, you've been in the US, what now, for since... 2009? Yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. What were you doing before that? And what was your rationale for coming over to the US? Well, I was in Sydney working in sales and business development in um, advertising. And my boyfriend, who's now my husband, was offered a transfer to New York for two years. And, you know, a lot of people thought it was a bad idea because we were young and like we just bought an apartment together and uh, like, I had a stable job, but I also have no college degree. And so, you know, in the US becoming sponsors, becoming sponsored requires a lot of things. And I didn't have any of those things, but I just knew that it would be okay. <laughs> I'm like, again, it was a hack, like a, like a hack job, a LinkedIn hack um, that got me the job offers that I, that, you know, the, the job I eventually ended up accepting. But yeah, I just, yeah, so the, the opportunity came, you say yes to opportunities. Some opportunities don't come around a second time. And we just like said yes, and then you kind of make it work. And yeah, we've been here for, so yeah, over, this is our 11th year now. And it was like probably the best decision we've ever made. And New York all that time, and then you've just recently moved to Miami. Yes. So the transition's been quite interesting, right? Yes. And I mean, look, wherever you want to live, I think it's good to know that it's available for you, right? Like it's, it's good to try new places. Change is good. And, but sometimes we don't think that. We think we need to live where our family lives or stick near our friends. And that's cool if that's what you want. But it's really important to look around your life once in a while and, and think, you know, how much of this is my idea? Like this, where I live, how I spend my weekends, how I spend my vacations, even what I wear. In fact, my book, 
<laughs> I, I share a story, right, of how like one of my friends is a stylist, and she taught me early on that even the clothes that we wear as women, uh, often they're just so influenced by our mothers. Like we don't even realize, and I'm like, what? No, and I'm like, yeah, there are things that I know are ingrained in me that my mom wouldn't like, that <laughs> <laughs> I don't wear. I mean, it's so funny. Like we don't realize how influenced we are by other people until we just, I think, stop and look around. Oh yeah, and and everything from like you were talking about clothes, mm-hmm. well, our whole belief system is oh, yeah. is is completely surrounded by how we grew up and what we think now. And it does take that transition, a, a long transition, to go. Oh, oh, I can I can actually think for myself, and I don't need to be thinking in the way that my parents thought or their parents thought. There's a moment. I think I always call it the switch, and then it takes the progression to mm-hmm. actually get over it. Yeah. But, yeah. So you came over to the US and you got your first job via LinkedIn through a hack. When was the transition from you from going from working in sales and then going to do what you do now? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, I ended up having a really nice career in New York. I, you know, by the time I was 30, I was making like 500K a year, like selling tech programmatic video software, it was called. And look, it was nice. It was fine. I was certainly very grateful. But you know what it's like if you want to work for yourself, no matter how good a job is it's not your company, right? It's not you. It's not your life's work. And so I started side hustling around the age of 30. And after 18 months, I was, I started hustling for 18 months, which felt like really responsible, you know, like got my, got my income, but also like building my momentum slowly. I started using media immediately before I had a website, massive hack, right? I, I only had a Twitter page in the beginning. I had nothing but I would just start writing articles, pitching myself. And then once you're out there, right, people start coming to you. And it's like you kind of tap into this, like, I don't, is it a dam? Yeah, I don't know what the expression but it, yeah. like it, it opens up. And I was just like putting out content. And I thought, I, I need to grow my business in a way that's going to be easy. <laughs> and I just thought, look, I could blog or I could, you know, go to networking events and stuff. But these media companies have spent, you know, hundreds of millions in some cases and like decades in some cases building audiences. I'm just going to tap into theirs. And so I just kept doing that, growing, getting more and more media. It, it kept growing. And yeah, then at the 18, like 18 month-ish mark, maybe a little bit less. Um, yeah, I, I just made the commitment to give my business a full swing of the bat. And that was, I'm 36 now. So yeah, like six years ago. So you had no media experience whatsoever. You just thought that's where the audience is and that's where I'm going. Serena, yes. No college degree, no journalism background. I would only ever write corporate emails. So I'm not a writer, right? <laughs> nothing, no connections, no PR, nothing. And, uh, but the, again, this is why your beliefs have to be on your side. Because if I had maybe more traditional beliefs, I wouldn't have gone for it no way. I would have been like, I'm so lucky to have even made it this far. I'm not going to you know, take any risks. And so, yeah, I just kind of kept doing it. Keep doing that, you know, keep, keep learning, seeing what's open, seeing what's available. And yeah, I've, I've, I've kept going since then. And I still use BDM as my, as a huge growth tool in my business because it works. I mean, it takes, uh, I know you're a confidence coach, so, you know, you are leading in that field, which is great, but it takes a lot of confidence to just go, right, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hack into this. Don't care. I will learn on the way and, and keep going. Where do you feel your confidence has stemmed from? Well, because I'm such a self-help junkie, I've read so many self-help books. I started really young as a teenager. Uh, I understand my worthiness as a human being. So, yes. you and know, I love oh, your, I love your theory yeah. on worthiness. Again, we're going to, there's so much to cover. I love it. Oh, I could talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> so about. But I mean, look, if I've been put here right now, this time in history, right? Every human life is a miracle. Like if you just think about what it takes for even to survive the birth process, right? To then be alive, to experience your suffering, to be here right now, to understand how your parents met, how their parents met, like there's no accident. So why would I question that? Like, why would I kind of question uh, myself? Like, is it okay that I'm here? Of course it's okay that I'm here. And because I'm here, I've got a contribution to make. And so I'm just going to trust my own inner guidance with it without the resistance that comes with questioning it. Because I find Serena, no matter what the problem is, if I'm working with somebody, if we break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down, it comes down to worthiness. So this is really our only job. 
Yeah, and I love you spoke on another podcast actually about you know if someone goes missing at sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you get verification off of Instagram for them? You know, how does that work? Right. It's like if someone is in life is in danger or they're missing. Like, do we think? Do we rescue? How should we do? Should we rescue Serena? Wait. Let's see. Is she verified? Yeah. Like, is she thin? Is she whatever you think it needs? You know, you need to be worthy. Like, no. Your human life. It's it's just it's irrefutable. It's not deletable. It's fixed. And I just feel like when you can allow this in, even a little bit, like 10%, let it in, things transform for you. Yeah. And it's one thing sort of reading all these books, but putting it into practice and actually being able to teach it. Did you find it was a growth process or was it something that you felt was sort of innate inside you? I think that it's innate within all of us, right? We just forget it's like an, an unlearning that we need to do of all the stuff that we've accumulated, like all of the um, beliefs, pieces of information starts, you know, start, starts with our parents in, in most cases, but whatever beliefs we have, like our core, we know this, right? Because that's why if something really moves us, we feel it. Or if someone really inspires us, we can feel it in our body as a physical reaction because the core of us will always know. Um, there's just so much other like stuff around it. So yeah. when I think you can release, it's not even acquiring it. It's like releasing the stuff that's covering it up. <laughs> yes. Like your worthiness, you know it. Like your higher self knows it. It's always there, but it's just almost like covered in all, like covered on a heap with a heap of other things. So if you can like remove some of that, again, not all, overnight, not all of it, but a little bit here, a little bit there, question your thinking, right? We're so much more than our thoughts. Like question the things that aren't working, question the, the a feeling that you have about yourself that isn't, doesn't feel good. When I think you can do that then, and look, this takes courage. Most people don't do this, right? I would say only maybe 10% of people, 15% of people question their beliefs. Yeah. So you want to be in that percent. Yeah. And you find that actually, if you had to define what confidence is, what would you say? Oh, yes. I love this. It's easy, right? It's quiet. I think, you know, we, we think it's quite loud in the U S I think people think it's extroversion or always winning, whatever it may be, but confidence is just simply a person's willingness to be uncomfortable, right? To, to be rejected, to be shut down, to not be liked, whatever it may be. If you're willing to experience that knowing it's just a temporary feeling, everything belongs to you. Yeah. And I, I love that because as soon as you understand a feeling is just a vibration in your body, it'll pass. It'll mm -hmm. pass. You can actually control it to pass. But I think there are a number of people out there who are terrified of what people might think if they want to start a business, maybe it's in a certain industry, maybe it's just starting a business, maybe it's a fear of succeeding. What would you say to them? Well, our beliefs, <laughs> first of all, are completely flexible, right? We don't think they are, right? We think oh, this is how it is. If ever you've had that thought, this is just how the world is, that's, that's a belief too, right? So reality is an interpretation. So if someone's afraid of doing something, they probably come up with a really legitimate sounding excuse, right? In the form of an explanation. And I don't know, like say, I'm scared to start a business because, I mean, what are the common reasons? Businesses fail, um, my husband doesn't, a wife doesn't support me. Uh, I don't have the, okay, let's use a qualifications one because I have no qualifications. I'd love to start a business, but I'm not qualified and I don't have any certifications and anything required. Okay, so if that's your belief, right, that's the cause of a reality, which is meaning the effect is that you don't do anything, right? You stay where you are, you don't create, you don't move forward. So if the cause and effect model, so like, you know, the belief and result model were true, that would mean that every single person who started a business successfully has had qualifications. It would mean that your belief like is 100% factually true throughout history all over the world. And I mean, I, because, you know, because of my lack of qualifications too, I've constantly always sought out success stories. And there are so many of like high school dropouts, college dropouts, people who've done it their way, like rebel style. And like your subconscious, once you kind of, allow new beliefs in, shed some unhelpful beliefs, it will never make you a liar, right? So whatever it is that you're believing now, 
your subconscious mind will find evidence to support it everywhere. Like we see what we want to see, you know, and so or what, what we expect to see. And once you can kind of shift your beliefs, question them, say, you know, really, is this a fact? Is what I've been believing about this really a fact or is it just a theory in my mind? Then it's amazing how your beliefs can just naturally shift. They almost just like leave you. And once that happens, then what isn't possible? Because the beliefs that you're holding that are harming you or or, or the beliefs that are holding you back, so to speak, you are aware on some level that they're harming you, but on some other level, they probably are keeping you safe or you think that they're keeping you safe and largely meaning you don't have to make yourself vulnerable, put yourself out there for any risk or use any courage. Yeah, I think that it's it's like a comfort blanket, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's I've thought this for such a long time. Mm -hmm. If it's not true, then I suddenly feel really uncomfortable, uneasy, anxious, and basically the sky's the limit. And what could I possibly do if this is not true? Yeah, so it's easier to be like, well, it's not safe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm responsible by not doing it. And, I, and I'm, not qualified. I'm not qualified, see? So I can't do it. Yes, exactly. One of my first coaching experiences, this is kind of a little bit different of a subject, but it shows up in different ways. I was coaching a woman who wanted to lose weight. She tried a lot of things. And she, when we got down to it, because I was like, okay, this isn't about what you're eating, right? Like, let's, you know, break it down. Her fear was if she lost weight, then, and she was still single, there must be something fundamentally wrong with her. But if she's overweight, then that's a good enough reason to be single. You see? So like our beliefs are funny. They're funny. Like it, and you think, but that was protecting her on some level, protecting her ego. Right. Mm -hmm. But really it it was harming her. So it's, it's so good to question what we're thinking. And it's funny. I think you think of it as a singular belief. I've had people come to me with that exact excuse as well Mm -hmm. and not one, but several. And you, and you think, oh, well, this is the way that I feel and this is the way that it is and I know it to be like this. Mm-hmm. And actually, you're just, you've just created a thought that you've replicated many times in your head, allowing it to be a belief. And that is your comfort blanket. That, that is your safe space. And anything yeah. outside of that makes you not need to do the hard work. Yes. Oh, yes. And the thing is, there's kind of no getting around the work. <laughs> but that's true for all of us. Totally, totally true for all of us. When you started, I know you started doing a in a side hustle. You, when you thought it was appropriate, moved to full time, getting everything on board. Eighteen months later, what were the hardships in that? What did you struggle? Was there a struggle in building that? Tell me what those are and um, what did you face? Yes. Well, first of all, I felt a lot of guilt because I mean, look, I come from like my family, like we had, we grew up on welfare, like we had nothing. So for me to have a big salary and then to be, um, it felt like, am I being really flippant? Like about my, like, I felt like it was, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, uh, why can't I just be grateful for what I have? Like I had guilt around that. Uh, and I also had this feeling of, you know, so I've always been the breadwinner too, like my husband and I. And so I felt like I was putting pressure on him. He was very supportive, but still I felt it. And then I didn't really know what to do with myself, right? Like what, what, <laughs> anyone who's had a full-time job who then goes to working for themselves, it is weird for the first year. <laughs> you like want to fill out your calendar with all the things and you aren't enjoying your freedom in a lot of cases. So I felt like weird time pressure, weird guilt, like guilt. And then, uh, you know, it was, it was new, you know, I, I knew that my business was going to be successful eventually, but it, it takes some time to, to get there. And so I was just thinking um, all the time, like, how am I going to make it really, like, really work quickly? How can I hack my way there? And so I just felt like it was a busy mental time. And if I went back now, I would, I, I seriously would just like worry less, like relax more and tune into my creativity sooner and even take more risks sooner too. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's the... The blessing of hindsight gives you that sort of instruction manual of how to get there. Did you come to a point at any point in the first couple of years where you just went, I'm not sure this is the right thing to be doing? Or did you just know that this is where you needed to be? Yeah, I never doubted it to the point of thinking it was wrong. I had my moments of saying, you know, um, why can't this just be more predictable? Like, why can't this be on my schedule, right? Thinking we have the best timing, <laughs> you know, like we get to control everything. Uh, but I never, I never doubted it was the right thing. I just, 
I had different expectations of timing and it just, it just turned out differently. And I, I, I swear this happens to everybody. You start your business and you think it's going to be one thing and it just shows it's something else <laughs> at the end of it all. Like you, it changes. I swear like every small business is different every six months. I think a lot of people are nervous about that because they think that they're going into something and it absolutely categorically has to be this thing no matter what. But of course, a business is like anything. It just evolves the more you get to know it and the more you get to understand it and it sort of pivots and changes direction. What did yours start off being? Serena, I had this, I thought that I would have like an office in New York, like a ther- therapist's office, like a life coach office and people, that's how I'd run my business. What? <laughs> like that's initially, that's what I thought I would have. I'd be, you know, at my practice and people would come and see me and like that could be fun in another life. But of course my business is fully online now and I have different products and services based on listening to what people want. You know, so like paying attention and seeing like, you know, what the appetite is, where I can really help. And frankly, I mean, if you're innovating a lot, I think you're just constantly open and you feel like you're never, um, you're never like settling. Like it's, oh, well, what's, you know, what's happening now and what's the next thing. And, um, and one other thing that I would do differently too now, if I started again is I would have invested in myself sooner. So I, I used to think, well, my business is making X amount, then I'll get like a great business coach and I'll join masterminds, et cetera. Um, so I, I was slower to do all of that, but I would have done that sooner. I'd have jumped in sooner to getting help early because it does work. I mean, you pay in one of two ways, right? You pay with the hair pulling out time learning curve, uh, doing it alone, or you just pay up front and get some expert advice and someone to help or a, a group of people to help. And I think that that would be something that I'd do differently too. Yeah. When did it go from being a hustle to mm. almost being a leader? And and do you find that you probably still have to hustle? How how is it working for you on a balanced scale? Yeah, I feel I well, I'm a natural hustler, right? So I love the hustle. But I felt like even on day one with my first clients, I felt like I was a leader as a hustler. Like I felt like this is gonna be good, but like this is what I'm doing is helpful and like being a leader is an attitude really, isn't it? More than anything else, I feel. And just kind of wanting the best for the people who are in your, like who you're serving. And so I felt like a leader immediately, but I always want to be a hustler. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun, right? Like this is your life, right? Your business. You always want to be thinking of new, bigger, better ways to do things. Well, I mean, you you came from sales. So, I mean, this is an ideal opportunity if you're starting a business to have that sort of hustler mindset. Yes. And when you think about it, like there are easy ways to sell, right? Like I come from a background, which was like cold calling, like a hundred calls a day, like hardcore, like ice cold. <laughs> it is so much, it is so different now. I mean, this is kind of also why I create my hack, like with my hackery, with like side hustling, the scripts, how to announce that you have a business with the media. There's no hustling there. Like it's, you share information, you include ways to be reached, reach massive audiences. Like I'm not picking up the phone saying, Hey, do you want to like, get some coaching or get my book like it's it's so different it's so much easier now and so I really I also wanted to create topic sorry content around uh, selling that makes selling easy like that makes it um makes people uh, like so easy to hire you and come to you yeah look I could talk to you about this all day but (laughs) (laughs) but let's just go on to your writing ability I know we touched on it before but you have written for over 300 publications oh everyone from like oprah.com to marie claire Huffington Post, um, I could go on, but you have written now a couple of books. Again, I understand that you just went in for the hustle, you tapped in, I can't even remember the word that you said, you hacked, that's it, (laughs) that you hacked in, and you got into that sort of environment where you were publishing articles and you had started to write books. What made you go in that direction to such a point that not only were you published in so many different publications, but also being able to write a book or two. Well, after a certain point, when you share information and it's helping people like en masse, it only makes sense to write a book, right? Because it's extremely accessible, you know, pricing. And I, I want to have a big, big life of contribution. And I, I mean, 
it's so funny. Everyone says to me all the time, you need to raise your prices. You need to have your own mastermind. Da, 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 da. And I get it right from a business perspective. There are always opportunities, but I consider myself a masses person, right? I would rather have millions of people in my world than like the, the 200 who can afford me, you know? And I believe like books have changed my life. And so for me to be an author, to share what I know, to distill the lessons, to take a lot of information and essentially like, only like like synthesize the best stuff like the most salient points like the most salient lessons and to make it accessible and fun and easy to read and not like heavy healing work but really actionable helpful like things that you can do in your life to become more successful to become more confident to become more likable i mean all of these things they're available i feel like that's the 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 work that i'm supposed to do and i find it really easy well not really easy there's writing a book has plenty of you know you have your moments but overall I find the process really fun which helps make it easy yeah I was going to ask you what that process was like for you what was the sort of starting point where you said right this is what I've got to do and how did that transpire well any author or wannabe author knows there's something to share, right? You just, you know it. And it's harder to not do it, right? It's harder to have the burden of your idea than just getting your idea out. And I mean, I don't work in a really structured way, but I know that the morning is the best. So I would wake up and pretty much get straight to work for two or three hours and that's it. And then I I really believe we only have two or three really good creative hours per day. And I've just dedicated it to my book for a few months. That's it. Great. And what's it given you? Having written a couple of books now, what has that given you? Oh my, it's, it's incredible. Like you don't know who you're touching with your, like it is incredible. The people you hear from, the messages you receive, uh, when someone is even translating your book for you, like sharing it with new, I mean, I really believe that your intention and the energy in which you create something will match the response. And I think, you know, being an author, because if you think about it, if you have any product one-on-one, you serve someone one-on-one, that's very valuable, right? If you have a group of 10, that's great. 100, 5,000 people in your you know, programs, amazing, right? But a book, I mean, a book is shared by people. It's, it's, you can, you can, the ways that you can access it just through an e-reader. I mean, the way it can really be of service, I feel, I don't know, it's the ultimate gift to be able to do it. And, so, and, and the return is really, really big. You've just come out with your book, Stop Checking Your Likes, Shake Off the Need for Approval and Live the live Your Incredible Life. Incredible Life. Yes. I can't believe I'm writing <laughs> that. And Live Your Incredible Life. But yeah, it came out. It's been out for nearly three months. Great. And how's it going? Oh my gosh, it's going well. <laughs> ah, I love talking. It's amazing. Uh, I think that it, people want to have a conversation around approval and they want to have the conversation around, because especially now we're all at home, you know, what we see is like through our screens, how we're experiencing life is through our screens. So giving it all a big dose of perspective and then frankly understanding what your position is right now, like for the rest of your life, right? Like it's, it's almost... Um, some of us are just really in this uh, place of rethinking, resetting, and it's really great to be able to make decisions from you with yep. your own inner like button being the loudest versus everybody else's. Yeah. Did you find that you almost needed to write this book because so yeah. many people, I know it's not really based around likes on Instagram or your social media. It's got a much bigger story and message to tell, but mm-hmm. essentially, did you feel like there was a pull that was required for this book yes because what i've realized so much serena is like as human beings like we kind of even said at the beginning is you know we are adaptable we're strong we can handle failure we can handle losing money we can handle all sorts of things but the thing that really scares us is what other people will say and think you know it's like we almost would be okay if our businesses fail we'd start over but like what would mum say or what would my frenemy say or what would mm-hmm. my you know whoever my, my sister who's like really mean yep. <laughs> would you know and that's what we fear and so in in my book i really break down the perspective of that like what that really means what you're giving up like another way to look at it all of it and yeah i feel like that is this is what I just kept repeating again and again and again. And so if something bears repeating a few times, it could, it should be in a book. 
Uh, totally. And actually, it came to fruition for me a couple of days ago. I was speaking to someone who has started a great business. Mm -hmm. And she said, I I'm just nervous to promote it. And I said, why? She said, because I've started two in the past two years and I've had two failures and people are just going to see me as a flake. So she said, I'm almost That's what an entrepreneur thinking, does. Yeah, yeah, but she said to me, she said, I think I'm, I'm going to quit. Like, I'm not going to do it. And it's already got momentum. It's already driving wow. and getting some interest. But it was such a big fear of hers of what other people would be thinking of her. So, I mean, yeah. this would, would be absolutely ideal for her. <laughs> yes. And, and that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, if her last two businesses failed, yeah, great. Ask Elon Musk and be like, yeah, what else do you expect? Like, hello, <laughs> this Hopefully. happens to everyone. I mean, there's so, we're always pivoting, always changing. It's just an evolution. That's how I would be thinking about it. Yeah. This podcast is about leadership and you have been a leader in sales in Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. You are now running a very successful business of your own. What would you say is your leadership style? Ooh, fun. <laughs> and I know this sounds, uh, it's funny, right? Like people think that optimism, positivity, like uh, having fun, it's naive, right? They think that, oh, that's cute, right? It's leadership right? You need to be a pathological optimist as an entrepreneur and no one can give that to you. And as a leader, people look to you. It's like, Oh, how is she feeling? Right. How is she, how is she interpreting? Like how, what's this experience for her? And you can be heavy as a leader. Sure. Do whatever, like do whatever, <laughs> but what is the goal of all other goals, right? Like if you think that you want anything, if you want career success, if you want a boat, if you want, I don't know, like 50 employees, it's because you think it'll make you happy or bring you joy. So if you can lead with that, if that can be your initial place, I know too that happiness attracts success, not the other way around. What do you think is the common denominator that sort of sinks great leadership? Uh, resilience. It's no. as simple as that, right? It's like, who is willing to be uncomfortable? Like confidence, resilience. I mean, it, the people who are always going to be succeeding are just, are, the, the negative emotions don't scare them. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And who would you say inspires you? Everybody. I think, I mean, <laughs> you know, when you, if you meet any, I mean, everybody is inspirational, right? If you kind of understand a little bit about them. But the stories that I seek out intentionally are unlikely success stories. That's where I feel really inspired. So the, anyone with a limitation who mm -hmm. shouldn't have succeeded, um, they're the stories that I love the most. And there are so many. When you look around right now, I'm reading a book that has a lot of stories based in the 60s of um, successful people who had uh, disabilities, who had all sorts of things going against them, um, and they were, they're still like winning in the end. So I love reading those stories. Yeah, a good underdog story as a word. Yes. A very British trait, actually. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I heard somewhere you were going to come over here and go to Cambridge. Oh, that's right. But they didn't let me in. I didn't get a place. Oh, well, look Can at you, you now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because I believe that that was meant to be, that was all meant to be too. Yeah, totally. I think these things always are. I want to round up and we've got a few sort of fun fact questions for you. Oh, but before we get into that, what piece of advice would you give to someone who is starting their own business predominantly in this industry, but it doesn't have to be? What would you say to them? I would say that there has never been an easier or better time in history to be an entrepreneur. You're very blessed to be alive now. Like in 2020, I remember even like six or seven years ago, Serena starting a website, it was clunky and expensive. There wasn't Stripe, like Venmo, like it, even just like the, the evolution of like the last few years, it's immense. So I would say you've been given every opportunity. If you feel called, do it. And the best way to do it is to do it. Yeah, that's so true. And I think that there's never been a greater time even for a side hustle. Mm. And just oh, being yeah. able to know that, you know what, if you want to take the steps a little slower, you've got that on the side and you can build that up just like you did. Exactly. And what is absolutely risk-free, why wouldn't you do it? And don't worry about like the time it will take because the time's going to pass anyway. So do like do it and uh, any, any beliefs that hold me back, just investigate them because they can be released. What highlights would you say you've had over the past few years of running your business? Has there been one, I'm sure there are many, but is there one particular one that stands out? 
Well, it's very exciting when you hit revenue goals, like big revenue milestones in your business. Um, but also I would say uh, like you're just in this, it's always a state of not really knowing, right? Which is kind of exciting. And I think the people you get to meet, the connections you get to make, the stuff you get to learn, and then who you become is the joy, right? Like when anything goes wrong and it will, right? And you're still okay, right? Or you think, oh my gosh, I'm not sure I can like do that TV segment or do that talk and you do it and it was good. Like who you're becoming, I think is always the, the real prize. And that's the prize that is permanent. Yeah. Do I remember having that sort of feeling when I was doing my exams where I'm sitting down, I'm, I'm just about to start the exams, but I've got, I've got my hands, I'm here, I'm present. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the exam, I've got my hands and I'm here and I'm present. And it's such a weird <laughs> sensation. Yeah. Like I'm here and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's, the thing is, you're always going to be okay. Yeah. And it's okay. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've just gone through something. <laughs> yes, the exactly. Other end. Mm-hmm. And what's next for you? Well, you know, I'm already thinking about my next book, Serena. Love that. Yeah. Have you started to write it or is it in strategy uh, mode? Yeah, it's in my early stages of my notes, but I'm also asking people. So Serena, if there's anything that you'd like me to include in the next book, then also please let me know. Oh, I totally will. Yeah, I have a good think about it. Do you know know where it's going to potentially go or? Yes, it's going to be... in the same vein, right? So approval-free, becoming more confident. I, I kind of want to get more deeper into thought replacement because I feel like thought replacement, the power of self-suggestion, also known as conscious auto-suggestion, is very powerful. And it's something that you, you can train your brain to do, meaning that whenever there's a problem, you think that's good, mm. right? Or whenever there's a panic thought, like if you think, I don't know how to do this, your immediate thought is, I don't have to do this alone, right? So this is something that I've cultivated over the years and I know that it works and I'd like to break it down in an easy hack way <laughs> for other people. Cause it's taken me a winding road, right? Yeah. But I, it, it's one of my favorite things and it's my big resilience tool. And I would like to kind of go into, go far more deep into that. Great. Well, I can't wait to read it. Right. We've come to the part of the podcast where I'm just going to ask you some fun questions and make it very light and (laughs) and very easy. (laughs) Although I have asked people these fun questions in the past and they've turned out to be a bit difficult. Uh, (laughs) I'll be fine. But I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So describe yourself in three words. Uh, Caring happy ambitious if you could buy any food right now what would it be oh mm, banana muffin (laughs) (laughs) i love that i'd have a chocolate one um what are you reading uh success through a positive mental attitude is it good oh yeah it's an oldie i'm rereading it okay um what is the one thing you'd want to put on your bucket list I really want to get those henna tattoos. I think they're beautiful. Okay, well, maybe after social distancing, you'll be be allowed. Um, A couple for quarantine. What is your favorite hobby? You must have come up with something. We do thousand piece jigsaw puzzles that we don't finish. How you get to like the 700 and then you're like Mm-mm. yeah painful. <laughs> hey better better you know better try than nothing totally i mean the only one that i had in my house was a christmas one so i did a massive christmas scene <laughs> and let me tell you snow is not fun oh neither is the floor on a uh, van gogh painting <laughs> yeah. you look at it and you think actually it's gonna be okay and then it's not, it's not no okay. it's not, it really isn't <laughs> Um, something that you've learned about yourself in quarantine? Uh, maybe I have more of an introverted streak than I think, because I'm actually okay with all of this. Interestingly, just one quick thing. I, I'm being interviewed this week for a publication that are doing a piece on people being anxious and like uh, being anxious about kind of the return to normal, whatever that is, because people just like being alone so much. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a lot of focus on people struggling to be alone, but it's mm-hmm. the anxiety of getting back out there. Is Oh yeah, is that's what, that's what we're dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's always something. Um, 
favorite program on netflix i know you like netflix oh queen of the south it is excellent i watched it all oh it's amazing oh yeah that's a goodie (laughs) okay (laughs) and you mentioned this before but your mission in life is to help people lose their repressive energies by understanding what's limiting them and knowing that it can be changed and finally what has being so driven given you everything i don't know yeah oh ever i would say the best thing that i well the thing that i appreciate most about my life is working with my husband and mm-hmm. living and right now living in miami and what more could a girl ask for <laughs> that's lovely susie moore thank you so much for coming on the podcast the very first podcast of the so driven podcast Thank you, Serena. This was fun. Uh, Yeah, it was great to have you on board. I hope we get to speak again and you get to come Mm -hmm. back on the podcast promoting your next book. Um, But yes, no, it's been been fantastic having you. So thank you. Thank you. Well, what a great way to start the podcast. Thank you so much again to Susie Moore. Every time I hear on a podcast, I feel energized, I feel motivated. And today was absolutely no exception. You know, to grow her business, Susie was savvy enough to tap into the media where she just knew she had an audience. It took her 18 months before her side hustle became a full-time business. And for her... Her history of her sales experience and her love of hustling, she managed to collate a tremendous audience and is hugely credible, not only in the coaching world, but in the media, publishing and business world too. Her ability to access her confidence meant that even though she had no college degree, no background experience in journalism, she could use the skills that she had and hack her way to make what she wanted work for her. She loves the hustle and that, from speaking to her, is clearly her drive. I love this conversation. I hope it inspires you like it did me. To summarise, I have a few key tips, some takeaways from the conversation that I think will be really valuable to you. Number one, life is simple, but keeping it simple is hard. As humans, we love to overcomplicate what actually is pretty straightforward. Number two, Susie prides herself on being a master hacker. She asks herself, how can this be easier? How can this be leveraged? How can I do the least for the most, least effort, maximum output? Her solution is to ask for help, to delegate, see if there's a book out there and read it. The book you don't read can't help you. She believes that there are at least three solutions to every problem. Someone has already figured it out. It's finding that solution and working that out. Number three, look at your life and ask yourself, is this me? Is this my idea? How am I living? How am I spending my weekends? How am I dressing even? It's good to ask those questions and actually understand if that is you right now or is that you because someone has ingrained that in you. Number four, To make things happen for yourself, you have to have the beliefs on your side. Look for the opportunity to keep learning and see what else is out there. Number five, you are 100% worthy. You just are. No matter what you've done or not done in your life, you are whole and you are here for a reason. Your life matters. Number six, confidence is a person willing to feel uncomfortable, to feel rejected, to understand that it's okay to be shut down occasionally, to be okay with not being liked. If you're willing to experience that, knowing that it's just a temporary feeling, then everything just belongs to you. Number seven, our beliefs are flexible. We can make a mountain of excuses on why we shouldn't be doing something. But the reality is if we're not questioning our beliefs, they will always stay excuses and we will never get to where we actually want to be. Number eight, now that Susie has the benefit of hindsight, she would advise to jump in early and get the coaching help that is required. You either pay in time and stressing yourself out 
or you can initially spend the money and go and get some expert advice. Number nine, being a leader is an attitude, wanting the best for your people and serving them. Number 10, Susie describes her leadership style as fun. You need to be a pathological optimist as an entrepreneur. As a leader, people need to look to you on how you're feeling, what you're doing, what your experience is. Happiness attracts success, not the other way around. Number 11, resilience is the key to underlying leadership, says Susie. Someone who, again, who is willing to feel uncomfortable, who is willing to go through the negative emotions and scare themselves. Number 12, and finally, this is our time. If anyone is out there wanting to start a business, you are never blessed more than you are now. It has never been as easy as it is now to be an entrepreneur. The best way you can do it is just to do it. I really love the way that Susie spoke about time passing. The time will just pass anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and jump and do it. Any negative beliefs that you have that you feel are holding you back, they are all negotiable. Your mindset is not as stringent and cemented as you think it is. So any negative beliefs, investigate them and they can be released. Well, that's it from me today on our first episode of the So Driven podcast. Thank you again to our fabulous first guest, Susie Moore. If you want any more information on Susie Moore, you can go to her website. That is www.susie-moore.com. That's S-U-S-I-E hyphen M-O-O-R-E.com. And you can get her book on her website or you can go to Amazon on her website. Either way, head over to my website um, and you'll find all that information. So that is Serena Dodd, S-E-R-E-N-A-D-O-D-D dot com forward slash podcast. Serena Dodd dot com forward slash podcast. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing, please hop onto iTunes, go and leave me an honest review, rate it. I would be ever so grateful that we don't get lost in this sort of melee of mass content that is out there. Once you have done that, let me know. You can go on back onto my website and press Ask Serena. Let me know that you have left a review and I will put you into a draw to win my goal focus 30 day program called Mission 30. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. I hope you are taking lead of your day and making it so driven. Yeah.